What's going on guys, Philosopher here, and welcome back to FGC Philosophy. Uh, this is where I talk about topics and have conversations around areas that I think will help us level up either as individuals, as a society, or in fighting games. Lately, it's not been the latter, it's been more of the social political stuff, uh, because there's been so much going on. You know, with the election finally being over and the inauguration is over, uh, it feels like we can kind of cool down a little bit, but I think the conversations should definitely continue. Uh, and so that's why I've been doing a lot of these topics uh, to, to help us all continue to push this conversation forward and, and areas that I think uh, are kind of a concern or just need to have more conversation, more light shown on it, or might be divisive topics that are hard for people to talk about one way or the other. That said, this episode is about The Social Dilemma. It is a docudrama on Netflix that I thoroughly enjoyed. I've watched it twice now, and we discussed the ideas behind that docudrama, behind that documentary. The Social Dilemma is a American docudrama film directed by Jeff Orlowski and written by him, Davis Combe, and Vicky Curtis. It explores the rise of social media and the damage it has caused to society, focusing on its exploitation and manipulation of its users for financial gain through surveillance capitalism and data mining. It goes into depth on how social media's design is meant to nurture an addiction, manipulate its use in politics, and spread conspiracy theories such as Pizzagate and aiding groups such as Flat Earthers. The film also examines the serious issue of social media's effects on mental health, including the mental health of adolescents and rising teen suicide rates. The film features interviews with many former employees, executives, and other professionals from top tech companies and social media platforms such as Facebook, Google, and Apple. These interviews provide their first-hand experience of working in and around the tech industry. They state that social media platforms and big tech companies have been instrumental in providing positive change for society. They also note that such platforms have caused problematic social, political, and cultural consequences. And so I've already been expressing my concern with social media. I've had some concerns with it. I don't think itself is a bad tool and really get into that in this conversation. Uh, but I really want to encourage you guys to have a mindset of just seeing things from the perspective of how I experienced it. I really want you guys to watch the documentary yourself. If you have watched it, make sure you leave a comment, reach out to me, and let's start this conversation about social media, how we can conduct ourselves better, right? Because I don't think it's a realistic expectation to say, stop all social media. Like there's people online that say social media is evil. I think that's kind of ridiculous or an over-exaggeration. I think that these tools are here, whether we like it or not, and we just, the only option we really have is how do we utilize these tools better and more safely. So with that said, we're going to hop right into this episode. I am, of course, joined by my guest. His username is some guy. I know I haven't really clarified that too well, but he's been one of my uh, oldest friends now, and uh, I've enjoyed talking to him. Who He's not so much into the gaming culture as much as I am, but he does give me great insight and, and, and is willing to play devil's advocate or, or willing to disagree with me. Uh, and we can do it in a very respectful way. And he has a completely different experience than me. So it's nice to have that contrast to my experience uh, and have these conversations with him and hopefully in the future have conversations with other guests because I really think it's important to get multiple viewpoints, especially from people you disagree with. Uh, so this is hopefully the start of more 
to come. So if you like this kind of content, let me know. Continue the conversation. Thank you so much for the support so far. I've had some great conversations with people one-on-one. And that's the other thing is that a lot of times these conversations are hard to have in groups. I've been experimenting on social media with talking about divisive topics or very uh, polarizing topics and getting a conversation to happen on a social media platform. But I truly believe that the best way to have a conversation is one-on-one or very, very small groups. Because the more opinions you have being thrown out there at the same time, the harder it is to really hear any opinion and go deeper into that way of thinking. So that's my thoughts. We're going to get into this episode. Thank you guys so much. And I hope you enjoy the show. This is kind of a big deal in the, in the gaming sphere, and it's a big deal for me personally because it's it's kind of personal for me. Um, and, and it's a uh, this guy's name is Gutex, Ryan uh, Ryan Gutierrez. He's like really well known Third Strike player, uh, Street Fighter Three Third Strike, um, and he's been like a beloved icon of gaming for a long time. You know, you ever t- heard the term PogChamp at all? Uh, it's like this. Uh, it's it's a it's a emote. It's basically PogChamp means like really awesome thing just happened uh, essentially for like the millennials and boomers out there that might be listening to me. <laughs> and it's like this phase where this guy is like like really excited. Well, technically he's not excited in the context of the actual situation is like something fell but like that that expression was clipped because he was behind a green screen and like I'll I'll show you the I'll show you the icon later. But essentially what happened is on Twitter he, he posted that, that video of, of um, the young lady that got um, shot during the storming of Capitol Building. And he, he made this post. And I, I, I got to just find it because I don't want to misquote it. Um, but it, it's all over the news now. Um, I guess gaming, gaming news. Okay, so PogChamp is short for Play of Game Champ. I never knew that. Uh, <laughs> I never knew what it was short for. But uh, uh, people just use the term it. pog or poggers. But uh, yeah. one, his his emote got removed from Twitch. Like Twitch actually removed his emote because of what he did. But essentially he made a couple of tweets, like three tweets total. Um, there was one that said, um, will there be civil unrest for the woman who was executed inside the Capitol building today? Or will the MAGA martyr die in vain? Uh, the video will be aired soon on website, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds pretty gruesome. Uh, then he also posted the video and said, warning, this is graphic, but it's important for everyone to see the video because we don't know how it will be uh, try to be spun or suppressed. And she will and she gave her life for our country. Rest in peace, MAGA martyr. Um, and so that caused a lot like the fighting game community. Like so he's part of the FGC, but he specifically has been immortalized in gaming culture because his GIF is used by every gamer on Twitch. Uh, and every gamer on like most like Discord platforms and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so he he was one of the few fighting game personalities that transcended the FGC and just was a person that everyone in the gaming world knew. Uh, and so he 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 posted this. Uh, I looked up to this guy. I looked up to him. I, I loved what he had done for the FGC. I loved the way he um, he spun like fighting games with entrepreneurship. He was making these deals and doing these cool things. And like he wrote a book about how to get better at fighting games that I read that really helped me get better at fighting games. So to see him be the person that he is now, and it was it, three tweets ruined his career. Three tweets ruined his yeah. career. 
And now I, I don't agree with the things that he said. And it sucks because like I remember having a conversation on social media saying like, oh, man, Gutex is done now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I saw his post originally and I didn't fully understand what he was saying because I, I didn't like look at the whole like thread. And then um, my friend my friend that follows me was like, yeah, no, like you might want to like, uh, he said something. And I went and go. I went and looked at his profile, read everything. And I was like, oh, snap. Like he he's he's saying that you know this this his hero died uh, is a, is a martyr for this you know this good movement this revolutionary movement that needed to happen and I'm just like and everyone in the FGC everyone in the gaming world is just like kind of talking about it and then um, one of the things I really hate about social media and the way people utilize it is that it started turning into a meme and then people took this opportunity because they were like oh yeah his his like, emote's gonna get removed. Uh, so everyone's kind of like shooting their shot to try to be like, okay, let my emote be PogChamp. Let my emote be PogChamp. And so you just like, you have these, this weird behavior from all these people where like, they're trying to get clout by hating on this person rather than like, I think people maybe think they're being noble. Um, but I feel like there's also a lot of people mixed in there. Like, I just want to say things and dogpile on this because I want to get clout. And then there's also people like, Hey, I want to be the next emote because they want to get big and have their face everywhere. Uh, and it's like. It, social media does kind of influence his weird behavior like why did he say all these things on social media that he knew wasn't going to go over well he's pretty ingrained in terms of marketing and understanding people like i i don't know why he did this and people think that he's gone off the deep end um i i know he's been he's had a lot of stressful situations happen with relationships and stuff like that in the past and with uh, uh companies and sponsorships because he used to work with capcom for some of their promotional stuff so it's just like this is a perfect example of like how social media can how how people's behavior on social behavior on social media can ruin their career, uh, ruin their their uh, the perception of like what people think about them. It's I don't know it's kind of nuts to circle back to the uh, documentary. Um, this you know if you if you know this documentary that's not really surprising. If you yeah. if you had a chance um, to watch this or well, know anything about social media. So the two two thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. One, uh, his his career was birthed by social media, was it not? Like essentially, like through Twitch. I I can YouTube. I would say YouTube, which is still social media. Yeah, yeah. I feel like and Twitch, Twitch and uh, YouTube. But I would say more YouTube until he started doing like live stuff. Okay. So, but like, I mean, the the term "easy easy come easy go" not necessarily that not not to discredit any work that he put into it but like mm -hmm. um the thing that gave him a career is the thing that also ended his career it, it, it's to, it does to not surprise me yeah to some extent so like for people who are gonna like start typing he got his start in competitive fighting games like mm -hmm. he was really good at, at like, he had a really good Urian and Third Strike. I don't I don't fully understand like how it became, but he he switched to more of a teaching role and more of an entertaining role. Uh, he had a series on YouTube called Excellent Adventures where him and his friend Mike Ross basically like just got on ranked and played ranked together on a couch and just talked and were silly and like played different characters and stuff like that. Um, and that was like one of his after Third Strike because he never was really competitively relevant anymore. Uh, which isn't an insult, it's just like statistically he didn't really place that high in, in tournaments, but I don't think he had that love or passion for Street Fighter 4 or Street Fighter 5. Um, but he was really much, uh, he was an established personality, he was an established like teacher in terms of like, uh, he had some really good takes on, on mentality in terms of like how you play the game and how you learn games. Um, 
to to just give like the full context of like how he rose to fame. But to your point, yes, I do agree because in in the interview that I had with him, he talks about how he originally got started with selling like services of like non-gaming stuff. So he had already been like an entrepreneur. Like he already had the entrepreneurial spirit of like selling things. So I would say that he he was a hard worker in terms of like how to under like how to understand selling pack like selling services or selling um product to people. Uh, he was really really good at that. And then I think he turned that into something that was more interesting to him and then he made crosscounter.tv where which was a website where he had like services for coaching like he had like professional players um it was like a service where you could pay a professional gamer to coach you at getting better at Street Fighter or other fighting games I think. And okay. he had like different he also like had different YouTube series that he had on his uh, network as well. Okay. But yeah, but my my point is that like mm-hmm. he's still probably going to have some sort of presence. Like I don't oh, feel like he, he has alienated the entire world. No. Um, no, he hasn't. Um, but like the perception from the gaming community, from the majority of the gaming community right now is that his career is over. Do I believe that personally? No, because he's been doing things with non non fighting game people, like kind of behind the scenes like not really marketing it, but he's been on like kind of not, I'm not going to say shady podcast, but he's he's been working with people in like esports and stuff like that, but I think if if he doesn't if he uh if his career does end, I think it's more so because of him uh because I do think he's in danger of having a a mental breakdown. I, I do think he's at that point in his life right now. That's my yeah. speculation. But yeah, in some ways yes, easy come easy go. But like you know, to bring this back to one of the really big things that stood out for me in terms of this documentary of the a social dilemma was the amount of time it takes to radicalize somebody. And uh, in the documentary, they talk about how it takes as little as six months for someone to become radicalized. Uh, so essentially getting to the point to where you're probably going to be violent or you're going to get so far away from what we consider the standard that uh, you might be a danger or you just don't really are in line with what is, I guess, doable within our current constitution. And more often than not, when, when someone says radicalized, they mean like you're probably one step away from doing something violent uh, towards somebody yeah. else or saying something that incites violence or, or to that degree. Correct. That's nuts, though. That's nuts that like six months. Six like, months. I don't think I, yeah. I don't want to believe that. But uh, I kind of do. I mean, so does that mean that they could take someone pretty middle of the road you know yeah democrat or republican and then shift them hard like so we're we're assuming that there's someone that's already on the side of the fence like one side of the fence sure they just get shoved hard far right or far left yeah and i think far far center i i think Uh, so for 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 the purpose of this podcast when i say left and right i'm not really talking about democrat and republican uh, I'm just being metaphorical because I've seen communists, I've seen libertarians, I've seen, you know, you have your Democrats and Republicans. I, I don't mean, uh, there is the left and the right, obviously, but there's also just, there, a person believes something or a person has like a pretty moderate, you know, way of existing. They're a normal existing society. They have a job. They might feel, you know, disgruntled or whatever, but not not anything violent, not anything that's going to, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to see them on a, like an active shooter list or anything like that. Uh, you take six right. months of that person and somehow they find a feed that fits their mindset. It doesn't have to be Republican or Democrat. It could be, you know, I've, I've seen communists. I've actually been like, 
doing deep dives into like why communists are communists like i found a streamer on on twitch that like he's a proud communist wearing an antifa hat and like just trying to educate people about like a communism and stuff and i'm like you know this person seems like one step away from being radicalized um but just like it, it's just crazy that the social media feed now i i believe this even though i don't want to believe it because i've seen it happen on my social media feed where it just keeps feeding me stuff that's related to what i've been watching and i find myself being curious about like what what's in this video but like the issue with me is that i'm constantly looking for i'm constantly analyzing things as objectively as possible so there are people that i'll find like Jordan Peterson, there's Destiny, there's Hassan Abi or Hassan um, Piker, um, there's uh, Ben Shapiro or Steven Crowder, and I'm curious about what they have to say. And then the more I learn about them, the more I'm like, I there's certain parts that I, I may agree with, but there's a large majority of things that I'm like, I don't like this person or I don't like what they believe. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in how like it becomes. A fascination with how they debate or how they present their argument more so than like me believing or disbelieving what they're saying but the issue with most people is they're looking for like meaning they're looking for significance they're looking for answers uh, i'm not looking for an answer to what i should believe or what i shouldn't believe i'm looking for like what people are believing how they're arguing their points and why do they believe it like what's the logic behind your arguments and so i can easily see someone who doesn't have the faculties to like make valid arguments against what someone else is saying and just buys into everything that they're hearing like falling down this funnel of just information overload of of like an echo chamber of stuff because youtube and other social media apps are going to try their best to keep finding things that align with what you're finding and i don't think you know this, this podcast to to go to one of your points and I, I don't i want you to elaborate a little bit more on it as well i don't think it was intentionally divisive i think it's just the algorithms trying to give you what you want unintentionally finding things because people post whatever they want on social media uh like just going down that that funnel so yeah i agree i don't necessarily think that there's anything malicious about the algorithms of social media or, or these different algorithms that are designed into social media i think that in in the docudrama they the people that actually developed this stuff are talking about like what their intention was and how that kind of ran in its own bubble and is now become this monster of a thing. So it's not intentionally malicious. What it's designed to do is to get your attention and then keep it so that not only are you focused on the app, you're watching most amount of ads which is how these things generate ad revenue mm -hmm. so with that in mind like there's it it builds a profile on you it knows that you like to click on this sort of stuff well then it looks out and says okay this is what this user interacts with what's other stuff that's just like this doesn't matter doesn't do any sort of fact checking it doesn't do anything that says this is probably not a great thing for this individual's mental health is to uh, push them down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. It doesn't care. It doesn't care at all. It says, okay, this is, you know, every time we show them pictures of cats, they stare at cats. Well, now guess what? Your feed is full of cats. Well, when your feed is full of conspiracy theories, it's 
going to be full of conspiracy theories because that's the only thing that you're clicking on. Um, if you feel like this is not the case, I have, I have a pretty interesting experiment for you. Make a new account. Don't click on the stuff that you normally click on. Look at how much different your feed is for me. It's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you're, that will also, even in the video, that's still going to, you're still going to be locked more or less geographically about what your feed wants to show you. So you still will get ads that are for your local Outback Steakhouse or, you know, your, anything sort of like political candidates that are doing stuff in your area. You will get that sort of stuff. You want to experiment with that? Get a VPN and try um, try setting your geographic location to somewhere else and look at the difference between your feed now and your feed later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the easiest one to do that on is YouTube. Uh, YouTube is the best or worst at trying to give you what you want, depending on how you want to look at that. Because uh, when I was talking about how I... I, I I find left, right, I find like all kinds of different um, podcasts to see or, or conversations, debates. I've been watching a lot of debates to see what people think. And then it starts recommending me all these things. Uh, and like all of a sudden I'm getting like Fox News and I'm getting like, you know, Sean Hannity and Carl Tuckerson because like I, I want to see what he's saying. I, wanna, I don't want a soundbite or a clip from CNN or NBC or anything like that. I want to see what he has to see, say from Fox News or from their, their outlet. Uh, so then now I'm getting Fox News for like a couple of weeks and then I'm like, okay, well, let me look into this. And now I'm getting like, uh, they're trying to give me like communist stuff uh, or they're trying to give me like libertarian stuff. And it's just like, we're like weird gamer. Like I watch, I watch a lot of Destiny videos. He's a, he's a gamer streamer that also covers a lot of political stuff and has done a lot of debates. Uh, I think he's art like incredibly articulate, but slightly an asshole. Um, and like he debates very well. Uh, very very well and is very knowledgeable and is willing to like fact check in real time to make sure that he's not saying some dumb stuff so I, I like him because he tries his best to make sure that he's factually accurate but also like understands like like psychology and, and people pretty well to to debate and hold his own um like both like other gamers and also like professionals like like uh professional people uh interviewers news outlets and stuff like that as well um but yeah so it, it's just uh, Facebook does it. Twitter does it. They, you can. I, I strongly recommend if you don't believe this. Yeah, what what some guy said. Uh, look it up. Uh, make a new account or or get a VPN and and see for yourself. With social media, one thing that I really want to emphasize, uh, personally, is that accountability is really really important. Um, I I find that a lot of people, and I was talking to my wife about this right before we came down here, um, is that it's really really easy to villainize social media for being the bad guy. And now it's not it's not perfect. It's not it does things that you know, I think they're actually understanding now how impactful it can be because um in case you don't know Facebook, Instagram and Twitter I think permanently banned Trump and maybe like a couple other ones. I don't know if it's like Pinterest or something like that. Uh they've banned him because he's, he's canceled at this point, right? Like Yes and no. There's a right wing. I, I can't. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, there's a, a very right leaning social media platform that. Uh, uh, pretty sure Google removed it from the Play Store. They and did. Apple and Apple is in talks about either removing it if they don't change, or they actually have removed it. They have removed but, it. I, I don't. I think you can still access it though. Yeah, it's just not in the Play Store. You'd probably have to download the APK. Uh, so. 
there's a there's a few steps that I feel like most people don't really want to or so it's equivalent to like jailbreaking your phone yeah or en- enabling developer mode and installing apps that aren't from the play store so you could still get it i don't think they've actually uninstalled it from people's phones or anything no i, I don't that that would probably cause another riot uh, if that did go wrong to your point google has removed it uh they have removed it it's called um parlor uh kind of <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have said the name but uh there it is for people who care uh, I'm sure I, I don't. I'm not gonna research this, but I'm sure like any software that's out there, you know, the, the creator of it probably still has a way to like make it very accessible or something like that. Unfortunately, well, and and like I'm not for the stifling of freedom of speech. However, um, people are using this to mobilize. You know, I think this is partly to blame for the mobilization on the Capitol building. Uh, as far as I know, I have a few people that have family members that went to D.C. and and did that. Um, we have a podcast talking about that more in depth if you're interested in that one. But essentially, the short version is the Capitol, st- Capitol building got stormed by a bunch of what I'm calling terrorists or Trump Trumpers. And uh, they they did things. And we, we talk about that. <laughs> I'm kind of exhausted from that topic. But but yeah, so, yeah, I'll put a link in the description for you guys to make it easy. Uh, it's I, I do get a little heated, just FYI. So if you are pro-Trump, I'm sorry. I, I do kind of bash on him pretty hard this episode. I tried not to do that, but it's just, I'm getting tired of him. Anyways, yeah, it, it but the thing is, is that if you're already radicalized, um, I'm trying to think about this. I love putting myself in the shoes of someone else, and I'm trying to think about this. If I'm already radicalized, if I'm already at the point to where I want to incite violence, I want a revolution, right? Like, I'm trying to do something for the betterment of my people, whoever those people may be, right? I'm, I'm putting myself in their shoes. I'm visualizing this. Um, I'm going to be motivated enough to get this because this means that anyone who isn't motivated enough to get this probably isn't for the cause anyway and don't need to see this because this is for people. This, this, this is the scary part to me is that now there's a whole social media platform that we're not monitoring as a society. Only right wing people are on this or people who are passionate enough to find this and maybe break the story. But then that the issue with this is that you have maybe a few people like journalists that download it are curious about it but that that's that spills into the social media fake news um storm right so let's say people are trying to mobilize in a state uh or something like they're trying to mobilize somewhere else and cause another like violent protest i could break the story but a large large majority of people might discredit me and say i'm lying right and then it becomes this whole argument of whether it's true or not until it actually happens and so if anything they can mobilize somewhere else uh, or, or delay it a little bit and make me look like I'm a liar. Or um, I might be right and they might call me a whistleblower or something like that. They might come attack me because now they know who I am and I'm like stifling their freedom or something like that. Like I'm I'm trying to impede on them. And then also removing the app itself probably pisses a lot of people off, right? Because they're, one, people are addicted to social media, you know, they, but they're also like these, these Trumpers are like super addicted to what their perception of freedom is. Uh, uh, in, it, in my mind, it's kind of ass backwards the way they're going about this, but they, the, their mindset is like everything that's happening to them, they're getting more and more pissed off because they're getting more and more stifled every single day, right? That's, that's how I imagine they're feeling about this whole situation. So this is pissing them off more, which means they're probably going to be more motivated to download it. That's, that's kind of how I visualize. <clears throat> so it seems like one of those things where, you know, you know you've been in trouble with your parents. And you've tried to argue with them. And they're like, well, you want to make it two days? 
all right, three days. You're grounded for three days. All right, now it's four days. And you just keep digging this hole for yourself where you just like, where's the end of it? It's eventually like your mom slaps you in the mouth and then you just like are so obstructed. I hate you, mom. Yeah. And then like, yeah. that, that, that kind of is what it feels like at this point. Like, they're angsty teenagers uh, that are angry at the system. Yeah. But so they also any, have this guy like, kind of pissing them off. But yeah. Um, yeah. So the the whole the whole point is like radicalization is kind of crazy, and then uh, I got into the point of accountability, right? Uh, I was I was trying to make the point of accountability because this is what I was talking to to my wife about is that like we know that social dilemma talks a lot about how highly addictive it is, so addictive that people that created these apps are addicted to them, right? That's that's incredibly concerning, um, and incredibly real. Yep. I mean, even even drug dealers know you don't dip into your own stash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't get high on your own supply. You don't do that. Um, that that in itself is concerning. But at what level... But what I don't want to see happening is that we, we turn social media into the enemy. Because I do believe that social media can be a great thing. But it requires a certain level of discipline and accountability. Because, mm-hmm. you know... And I, I, Again, I talked about this person who, who's who been posting my, my comments, and I, I appreciate that he's taking like the time to uh, quote all these sources and stuff like that, even though I, I disagree with pretty much everything he said so far, he or she. Um, but, you know, they made a statement of, you know, social media is, is terrible um, and, you know, brings out the worst in us. And I, I don't know if I agree with that because, I mean, it takes two to tango. If I say a terrible thing to you to your face, I, I could blame, oh man, going to bars makes me a terrible person. Oh man, drinking this alcohol makes me a terrible person. Oh man, smoking this weed makes me a nice person. You know, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrible, um, terrible, terrible, nice. Um, <laughs> if I get drunk, go to a bar, and get in a fight and hurt somebody, is it the mm-hmm. alcohol's fault? No. No, no, absolutely not. It's my fault. You know, mm-hmm. if I do anything that involves like like I don't want to get into like gun politics or anything like that, but if I if I hurt somebody, you know, I, I hate I hate when people say he made me mad or she made me mad. No, you got mad at something because you didn't have the emotional discipline to control your own emotions. You got mad because of you, not because of somebody else. I hate when people mm-hmm. say you made me mad or that person made me mad because that takes away the accountability of you. And then it also takes away the accountability of your actions after you got mad. So if you say that, stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so <laughs> yeah. condescending about it, but you have to take accountability for the things that you do. If you say a toxic thing on social media, that's on you. Social media isn't getting into your brain and forcing you to do it. Now they may be encouraging it because they're giving you things that you're seeing and making you feel stuff because they do want you to take action. They do want you to, stay engaged with the platform uh, the intention wasn't to get toxic the intention was to keep you there for as long as possible user retention incredibly important gaming video games do the same exact thing uh, and so there's a lot of parallels that i might make here with gaming and how people interact on video games like league of legends if you ever play league of legends then you probably already know but when you say something toxic when you do something toxic that's not the game that's not the social media platform that's that's you and this isn't something that the social dilemma directly talks about, but it's something that I thought about um, 
while watching it, while rewatching it, and just thinking about it over this week, is that um, you know everything that we talk about moving forward, you know, of these topics, is that you have to start having accountability. And if you want to disagree with somebody, I encourage you to disagree with them publicly, but do it in a way to where you're not actively trying to start a fight. Because part of the issue is that a lot of us suck at social interactions, and we suck even more online because we don't have that fear of repercussion to the same degree. We don't have the fear of physical harm, of social embarrassment, of, of awkwardness. You know, people, people act better because they fear certain repercussions in person, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, and if you're one of those people that acts different online than you do in person, and you're more of an antagonistic or, or just basically an asshole online, uh, it's because you're not holding yourself accountable for for your own actions. You're not worried about the repercussions of your actions, and you're not worried. You're not being empathetic to the other person on the screen because they're doing or saying something that you don't like, and you think you feel justified in your actions to attack somebody. Maybe I'm speculating. Maybe I'm digging too deep. But I think there's a lot of people that do fit into that category. Oh, and I absolutely agree. And like, like we run the risk of like the way things are going currently. We run the risk of like losing anonymity online yeah absolutely. we absolutely do that might be real I mean, one of the repercussions of of all of this because mm -hmm. we can't act right without fear of punishment yeah so the, one of the points i want to hit is to understand what social media is or what actions it's taking you kind of need to understand why it exists in the first place um so for one, or not even why it exists, but like how it continues to exist. So you have to kind of look at like, okay, this is not, it's a free service to us, but these servers and these employees, they're not free. Like this company is paying people, it's paying servers. It's, it, there has to be income somewhere. Um, so even though we're getting a free service, we're not really paying for it. Who is? So it's advertisers is where the majority of their income comes from. I and I would almost say all of it comes from advertisement. Maybe there's some different some other Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean as far as the product that we're getting? Uh well in the docudrama it goes over about how our attention is being sold essentially mm -hmm. um and they even put a figure on it which i'm not sure how accurate it is um they're talking about like oh, okay uh, this ad was sold for eight cents we sold this one you know to you know to just show an ad to a single user mm -hmm. and maybe it's not quite that detailed but i i honestly believe that it probably is that like they have a list of ads that do well with users like you and they, those are the ones they show to you. And they look yeah. at your shopping history online and say, okay, they've been shopping for curtains. Well, guess what else sells well with curtains? Curtain rods, curtain hooks, like, you know, like all of it. Like, okay, well, how about painting your room now? You know, you start getting all these Home Depot ads for like home improvement stuff. I get that. That's not a coincidence. That's how the system works. Yeah. It's, there to make money so therefore whoever's like the programmers have been working on this for a while and they're starting to perfect like but well, not even the programmers like the algorithm itself the algorithm, kind yeah. of 
tweaks its own parameters. It's kind of like machine learning sort of deal, right? I mean, it is basically an AI. It's not yeah. like you know what we you know Skynet AI, but it is an it's it's an intelligence that learns, which means it's an artificial intelligence because it adapts on its own. Yeah. And, and so to your point. Uh, oh, to your point, I would say it probably is very very accurate because you know any Joe Schmo can take out ads on Facebook, you know a paid ad, and I, I can put like okay, I want to pay you know point you know ten ten cents per click or something like that, and I want to put in a total of a hundred dollars. So once I hit this threshold. Um, it, it, it does that. And you, as an individual, can do a lot of research on like how much you might need to spend and where you need to like, you can target where the ads are going to be. You can target certain keywords as just, a, as just me, as a Joe Schmo, I can do that. And I can go online and do research on like how to better do that. So if an average person can kind of calculate how much money they need to spend and, and the parameters for um, how, how the, um, the ads will find their people, I, I fully believe that the people working at these social media companies have way more knowledge on how people are going to interact and how much money um, they need to spend in order to make an ad on somebody. Now, it's, I don't think it's to the individual degree. Like, um, sales in general, it's always going to be a matter of numbers. So it's not just an individual. It's like, here's 100 people. There's a 10% chance. There's a chance that we'll get um, basic... I'm trying to get like into sales because I've worked in sales for like 10 years now and uh, I've learned a lot about it from taking a lot of classes in sales and essentially um, it boils down to like you're going to like out of every 100 people you're going to make about 10 sales if you're doing it good and uh, that's that that's if you're a human being doing it now it gets different when it's a computer targeting people who are already doing searches for this and also saying things because when you talk to your phone um, it hears that and kind of saves that information and might give you an ad for that, which sometimes is convenient, sometimes very scary. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I feel like I've had conversations just around in my house and oddly enough, there'll be like something pertaining to that conversation. There'll be an ad. You, and I'm like, what? There, that's not speculation at all. I mean, that's one of the things <laughs> that Edward Snowden had released when, when he <laughs> releases uh, information. So it's like, this, this isn't like, speculation fake news kind of thing this is like you can go anywhere and find this information that this does happen uh i don't mm -hmm. think you can completely turn it off depending on uh what phone you're using what service you're using uh, it might vary from phone to phone and from service to service i don't know those okay. yeah and uh honestly i i something that i found interesting with uh what i had heard from maybe it's in his documentary the snowden documentary docudrama whatever mm -hmm. that one of the first things he does when he gets a new phone is he'll like take the case he'll take it apart and disconnect the microphone uh in the phone itself and if he needs to make a phone call he'll plug in a set of headphones oh so just to to you know to try and limit the amount of spying monitoring monitoring, monitoring yeah that's gonna but nice. that yeah, the fact that you would have to do that, like, like right now, I have a on my laptop's camera, I have a product that is sold that slides over the camera because it's, you know, one of those sort of deal, like a, a fear of your own privacy because there's a camera that's sitting there that the only the only signifier that it's on is a light, right? Mm -hmm. Um. It's not like an eyeball that opens up or anything. And it kind of creeps us out of it. That like, oh, this thing could be recording me right now. Someone could be watching me doing this. 
Mm-hmm. So privacy is a whole other issue. A whole other topic we should probably... Do they get into privacy uh, in the social dilemma at all? I don't think they do. Um, it's an interesting point. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and honestly, I feel like it was probably beyond the scope of that. Yeah, they'd have to do a whole um, other documentary on that, probably. Docudrama. Yeah. Maybe they yeah, will. I kind of hope they will. I, I like hearing from them, even though it was not good stuff to hear. Yeah, it's um, it's the equivalent of getting like a, um, uh, never mind. I, I don't have a good analogy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, I think that. You know, it's harsh truth. Like, it's a lot of people have a bad habit of just burying their head under the sand. Um, you know, I, like, even my wife was like, she, she didn't finish the documentary because it was like, not like, you, at a certain point, you don't want to know this, right? It's like finding mm-hmm. out that someone in your family, well, which this is a real story, like, went and, like, was a participant in this. Uh, the riots or whatever the 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 Capitol building thing. It's like you, you this, this harsh reality that you don't want to know, but you have to know. Um, it, it's important, and it's like how many people are willing to bury their head in the sand, which goes back to accountability. Are you willing? Do you really know? Do you read all the terms and conditions? And I I, I highly doubt that. Um, I I try to at least skim through a lot of it so that I know what I'm, what's happening. But like, you have these people that worked, that helped create it. You know, I'm talking about like they worked on like they had uh, the VP of or the not the VP, the guy that did the the monetization for I think Facebook, right? He was in charge of monetizing. So this is someone who knew how the, this company was making money. That, that was their responsibility. Um, you have people who helped with like the engineering of certain platforms. You have actual like co-creators of um, Pinterest, right? Um, but also worked at other social media companies as well. Um, talking about this, talking about how addictive it is, talking about how accurate it is, you know, it gets into the, uh, uh, the geomapping, which, um, I, I, that is, uh, a crazy concept, um, for, for people who don't, who haven't seen the documentary or the docudrama and don't know what geomapping is, um, I'll read the definition for you and then I'll, I'll share a little bit of experience, but basically geomapping lets you take raw data and turn it into a geomap. Uh, by visualizing local data in a way that you can immediately understand information that could otherwise take hours to comb through and inter- uh, interpret. Uh, there are many ways and types of geomaps, uh, each serving a different purpose. So when I worked at a certain university, we got into the conversation of, of geomapping for esports. And, you know, it, it got kind of scary for me because we're talking about targeting high school students and college students and advertising to them our esports events and like you can you can pick a certain location like you know on a real map and then target a certain kind of person like you can get very specific with who you want to target in this area at a certain time of day and that's just like really really scary when you think about it because like it on its own it's kind of defenseless you know you're just seeing an ad to somebody they can choose to buy it or they can choose not to buy it uh but when you think about the younger generation that grew up on social media, like they had a cell phone, like my son has a tablet. We don't have any social media on there and we only have like educational games and some like eBooks. Uh, but he is still very much attached to that thing and gets very irritable when we, when we have to take it away. Uh, we have like a timer on there and he comes to us when it goes off and we're like, we're all done and he gets irritated. So I can't imagine once you add all these 
hormones from interact interacting with other people comparing yourself to other people trying to you know be friends with other people trying to impress them uh, that gets uh, social interaction is highly addictive anyway like if you remember high school grade school you may have been one of those people that are like ah, i'm not interested in it um but the the average person was affected emotionally one way or the other uh, my experience was not great in, in grade school um, but I observed a lot of other people, and it's a highly, highly addictive drug to want to be socially accepted, uh, let alone on social media as well, where you, you're just constantly looking at it. So you have to think about, if you're an older listener, uh, this might not apply to you, but younger people are way more impressionable, and they're growing up with this technology. Uh, they have a different connection than us to this technology that we just cannot understand unless we spend a long time analyzing it and understanding psychology uh, at least to a minimal degree uh so like try to think about this for for the older listeners because i'm 33 a lot of my listeners are between the age of like 25 to 30 and up um for you you know you guys can help the younger generation to some degree um be more prepared for this kind of stuff and if you are a younger listener understand that like i'm not telling you because i hate when people say when older people try to tell me how to think, how to how to act, how to do all these things. But, you know, I strongly recommend you understand what's happening to your brain, what's happening to your body when you're on social media and how it's affecting you. How you release oxytocin uh, and serotonin, how that affects your body um, and, and how these programs are made to actually attract you and keep you on them for a longer period of time. And not just social media, but video games as well. Um, they, they do this and it's, uh, it's not by accident uh, it's not meant to be malicious but they're trying to make money they're a business and i don't think they've thought through how impactful this has been um so being able to advertise to somebody in a specific kind of way uh is very very dangerous because these people younger kids don't understand the gravity of wanting something and how it affects them they see an ad they're like oh i want this i go to my mom you know maybe i have a you know if you're upper middle class you might have like a blank check or a credit card or something like that. But this is kind of a back onto the geomapping thing. Sure. If uh, if you're unsure about like um, how much data they're collecting on you, this is what you can get. Like you can actually, this is part of the service that they provide that you have access to. Uh, go to your Gmail, go to the Google Maps, and in the top right, top left corner, there's like three dots or three uh what about lines yeah the little hamburger menu yeah yeah click click on it and go to your timeline oh man yeah and so right now you're looking at the hot spots uh if you narrow oh there's huntsville wow that's nuts yeah so these are the places that it's willing to tell you that it knows you've been there and for some reason i I have one in colorado Maybe I definitely have been. Oh, you know what? It is somewhere I've been. The Denver International Airport. So I have been there. So <laughs> I don't. It doesn't seem. It doesn't show me in Colorado. But I only stopped by. I drove through Colorado to get to uh, San Diego that long time ago. But it has mm-hmm. me in Utah, and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have me in Las Vegas. Oddly enough, and even though I spent like a weekend in, in Las Vegas, but it has me in Utah, in like Grand Junction. Um, Oh, no. Oh, it does have me in Colorado. Okay, I didn't realize Colorado was so far to the west. Anyways, yeah, and then it has me in San Diego. Does he have me in Tijuana, too? Oh, it has me in Tijuana. Oh, my God. That's nuts. That's kind of crazy. 
Like, I mean, by itself, yeah. it's not a big deal, right? It's kind of cool that you can see your timeline. Like, I'm feeling very nostalgic. However, mm-hmm. I'm not the only person that has access to this. Google has access to this. And then maybe yeah, whoever and they want to sell it to, depending on the terms and conditions. Advertisers have access to this. Right. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it becomes, you know, it's a, a bit of a scary thing. Uh, and to go back to the point of, like, privacy and all of this, you know, the documentary doesn't really cover that, but it is a very real topic of social media that should be talked about that being said that's probably a completely different episode yeah (laughs) and that is something that is always being talked about and uh i I do try to follow that kind of stuff because i i've seen conversations about privacy so that's like one of the ones that actually is part of the conversation is like what kind of information is being recorded and it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of progress being made um but yeah it's like how do you, I mean, how do we go about handling this? Because, you know, if you if you look at the people on social dilemma, like they don't they don't even know what to do yet, right? They're so, they're trying to find yeah. solutions. So one of the the more interesting ones that I've heard, I think this is in the movie. Uh, one of the guys was talking about taxing these companies on their data, which I think is an excellent idea. Awesome. Um, hmm. So the idea is that like right now they're just collecting all these extraneous amounts of data on us mm-hmm. and because there's no reason not to like storage is cheap you know what i mean like storage of this data is cheap not when you look at the grand scale of things like i'm sure what it's it worth them, yeah i'm sure it costs them millions or hundreds of millions to actually store this data but when it comes to like per user like how many hard drives do you have you know, like, I mean, sure flash drives. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. It's <laughs> just, that's devices. A, yeah, that's a that's a hypothetical question, right? Like, that's just to get you to think about like the amount of information that you have is just laying around. Let alone it's, digital storage devices, like uh, yes, not SoundCloud, cloud. Well, Google so, Drive, all that kind of stuff. But that that's actually sitting on the disk drive somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's in the cloud. That really just means that it's sitting on a disk drive elsewhere true oh for um, for me it's like just sitting in in the cloud for other people it's actual physical space somewhere sitting there yeah and that's that's what google is paid that's where their money is into and that's pay for that now which is pretty convenient yeah and that's the stuff that you have control over the other stuff the other bit of information that's on yours is your like advertising profile so what they're saying the guy's uh concept or whoever's concept this is i think it's a great one is to tax that data so that they no longer have a reason like it costs them more to keep all this information around than it potentially like okay so let's say it my data from 2006 is costing google 14 cents a year doesn't sound like much but when you add that up over time, like at some point they would say, you know what, we don't need to keep 15 years worth of data on this person. Let's get rid of it. Let's purge it after two years because that's like the real accurate, you know, that's that's where we're making our most money. Hmm. So the idea is that they no longer have like this backlog of your entire history because it doesn't make, it doesn't make fiscal sense to them at that right. point. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, and we get, don't we? Isn't there such thing as like a usage tax? I know, I know there is such thing as a usage tax. I'm not entirely sure how it works because, like, who knows how taxes work? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you get taxed on your assets. Like, you pay taxes every year on your house, you pay taxes every year on your car. Um, in any of the big purchases like that, you you're taxed on those every single year. Mm-hmm. Why are these are these companies not being taxed on their assets like this? So like, like we, that's a one potential solution. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to revisit this because I, I think it's a lot for me to digest and think about, and I, I want to get more information on this because it sounds like it's. It, the implication sounds interesting, but I have some confusions that I can't fully articulate or, or ask a coherent question on. Um, but I, I think that's an interesting concept, and I kind of want to see where that goes, or like where that that like who proposed that, and maybe dig a little bit deeper into that into a, a future episode or a follow up episode, uh, because this is a uh, pretty like there's so much to this. There's so much to social media. Like, and I want I want to stick to the documentary as much as I can because it is kind of a primer or a buffer to, to talk about this issue that is incredibly huge. And I've seen multiple issues in this last week. You know, besides just the Capitol Hill and like the kind of just the, the blowing up around it. And uh, I I just I want people to be able to uh, think about how they're behaving on social media, how it's affecting them, how addicted they are. Um, willing to admit that they're addicted because like I, I would say my social media addiction is YouTube uh, I I'm not a Facebook guy I'm not a Twitter guy I, I try to use it just to remain relevant in terms of like marketing purposes so that I can get my podcast and my other content out there a little bit better uh, I don't really like engaging as much as I can in that that platform uh, sometimes on Facebook or Twitter I find myself kind of just scrolling but it only takes me like a few minutes before I'm like why am I doing this I don't like this uh, and like also on Facebook, I un- anytime I see a, 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 f- a post that I don't like, um, a post that makes me angry, a post that's like, usually it's like someone just being hateful just for the sake of being hateful. Someone making fun of somebody just for the sake of making fun of somebody. And when I see them doing that on a, a consistent basis, I unfollow them. Um, I don't, if you're one of those people that thinks that's disrespectful or mean or rude or whatever, this is my, my, my real estate, right? Uh, and I think that everybody should be doing this. You need to curate what you see. Because if you're sitting there scrolling through a feed and you're getting pissed off, why? Why are you doing that? Why are you allowing yourself to get pissed off? Unfollow that person. Social media is not this end-all, be-all of how you have to engage with all these people. Unfriend people if you don't want to. I'm not saying to live in an echo chamber because that's part of the issue is that, uh, you know, we go back to... You, you get fed content. So I do encourage you to engage with people who disagree with you, but do it in a respectful way. Act like a damn adult, right? Like, don't just go in there and just attacking people and expecting them to understand. Like, uh, what is your intention when you engage with somebody that that you disagree with? What is it just to get uh, owned? Because I'm so sick of seeing, like, YouTube videos of, like, this dude owned that person. This dude clapped back on that guy. This person, like, totally owned. It's like, it's a debate. It's supposed to be an intellectual engagement. And I just hate how people want to glorify the winning portion of it, even though, like, in my opinion, that's very, very subjective who won a debate because most debates aren't based. Uh, determining who won a debate isn't doesn't seem to be based on any form of intelligence. It's more based on feeling and how they made the other person look. And that's yeah, that's that's, that's another topic for me. But yeah, yeah and t- typically, 
typically debates are on material that isn't so black and white. I get it, typically you're debating something that is kind of fuzzy or does have room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Like r- rarely do you have debate that's rarely are you having to debate why two plus two equals four. Right. You know. You know what I mean. Like it, there, w- there wouldn't certain... be a purpose to it if it was if it was black and white. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was so easy to just walk up and hand someone four apples and say, "Here's two and here's two, there's your four. You know, that's not. It's not very. To to base debates, or to even have winners in debates, seems kind of strange, like a strange concept. It seems like it's a competition more than a um, a solution to a problem, or even a conversation. You know, like or mm-hmm. a um, an intellectual exchange of ideas and solutions. Right. And yeah. So, like, when I see a debate, what my ideal visual or, or my ideal debate is two people who have opposing views, at least to some degree, about a about an issue. You know, I'm gonna stick to issues. It could be a debate about whatever. It could be like best anime. I don't care about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like a, a serious issue, like a social issue, and two people are trying to say that their way is the right way. Um, what tends to happen is they just go back and forth and make all their points and try to make the other person look stupid at any opportunity they can. What should be happening is more listening, more understanding the other person's argument, and maybe even adding on to their idea of like, hey, well, what if you add this to your concept? Instead, everyone's like, I have this concept of how I think what is right, and I'm going to try to prove it as much as possible, and I'm going to like just stampede through your idea. Rather, my idea is, hey, we both believe these things help me understand why you believe what you believe and why that's the right solution why is that the right solution i'm not trying to judge you i'm not trying to make you look stupid i'm not trying to find some tactic to make you wrong or or prove that you're nefarious i just want to know why is your solution the best solution here's why i think my solution is the best solution maybe we can find a middle ground that might help out or find a completely new idea altogether Uh, i think that is incredibly possible and i remember seeing a, a debate one time and I, I thought it was hilarious and, and it, it and it it was basically a person arguing about transgender sports uh, there was a transgender female debating with uh, I think it was name was destiny I think it was destiny debating about transgender sports and the, the debate got incredibly heated incredibly emotional and I, honestly I, I think that the person that was transgender wasn't really making great points was being very emotional and not very logical uh, and then this one dude he was actually stoned like he had just come back from smoking weed. There was like there was like six people in there, but it was basically like two against one, two against Destiny, like two trans- transgender women against Destiny, and like they were just arguing about it back and forth, not getting anywhere. This dude rolls up and it's like, you know, well, like I understand, I hear what you guys are talking about, but what if we just, what if this, we did this thing, like there wouldn't be an issue one way or the other, and they everyone agreed, everyone agreed. Yeah. So <laughs> I. I'm pretty sure I know the point that you're talking about. They said, what if we stop, you know, splitting sports out by gender? What if we just do it by physical, like, the, essentially the the idea behind, behind, like, heavyweight champ or lightweight champ. Like, we go by physical category, physical capability categories. Yeah, exactly. By gender. And everyone was okay with that. Yeah, and, and they were like, yeah, that's, 
sounds fine to me. And then it's like, oh yeah, thanks, we solved it, so no, no need to talk about it anymore. Right? Yeah, he was like, job done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I do yeah. want to point out that the guy was high and like you know, <laughs> even though he was a high, had an idea, you know, I call him high ideas. Uh, hmm. Everyone hmm. sober agreed with him, right? <laughs> um, so yeah. that's my point, though, is that and sometimes you might need a third party to help you see uh, what you can't see. Uh, and that's okay, too, because maybe debates shouldn't just be two people and, like, a moderator. Because sometimes I think the issue is a moderator's just ass. Uh, I, I I think I can go back to the presidential debate and, like, I know we're getting somewhere off topic here, but, like, um, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, the presidential debate, he, he the moderator the, did not get a good first one? Yeah, the very first one, the very first one, sorry. Um, he did not do a good job of moderating either of them. Um, it was more so on Trump's side, but, um, and I know, I believe he was an anchor for Fox News or something like that, which means he was probably somewhat biased and willing to let Trump interrupt Biden. Uh, but I don't, I don't think either interruption shouldn't have happened on either side. Uh, the mic should have been muted. He should have been calling them out when they were making mistakes. Like the, technically the third debate, but it was technically the second debate, um, with, I wish I could remember her name, but she did a better job with it. Anyways. Well, she also had the power to mute mics, I think. I she think did. that is something that they changed up there. Like, yeah. I'll have a repeat of this. Where now we have the mute button right yes. here on my desk. Exactly. <laughs> so not like, I don't know who right all was in, like, responsible. Because maybe this guy was going to get fired if he muted Trump. I don't know. I don't know the context of, of the situation. But I can still say the moderation was bad. Despite, like, I don't have any attack against that guy. But objectively... Not not good moderation. So sometimes conversations need to be moderated, uh, which maybe I can find a way to, to bring this back a little bit with, with social media and the social dilemmas. Perhaps one of the solutions is some form of some better form of moderation. Um, I don't I don't know if they talked about that exclusively, but I feel like they, they did try to present some solutions for how to interact online or how to like deal with this this issue. Yeah, and you know, honestly, so we talked about the whole taxation side of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe there should be some script that's running or even some human moderation mm -hmm. that goes into it. Like, okay, so you can do 50% of the algorithm, but the other 50% has to be human curated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and not even by one person or even by one group, but like these are approved, like hand approved by outside people to know that like, it's not going to have a negative effect on someone's mentality. Not to know. At least have a better idea that it may or may not destroy someone's well-being. Yeah. And and I would be a, I would feel like an idiot if I didn't bring this up. Uh, because this was a whole, like, my, my friend recommended this this documentary and told me I should really watch this. And it was because I was, I was talking to him. <clears throat> Usually we just like late at night, we'll play games and I'll just rant to him about like social concerns that I have. And I was saying this like probably a month ago, maybe the first time he recommended it. Cause it took a while for me to finally watch it the first time. Uh, I was complaining about how I'm afraid there's going to be a civil war in this country. And at the time it seemed like a conspiracy theory uh, to most people, which is why I didn't really say it too openly. I think I made one post about like, I'm sick of seeing these memes about social media uh, on social media about civil war. Like I, again, social media, it's like people are sitting here making jokes about the potential of a civil war. And I'm like, like before then even saying like this feels very real. It's getting very real. It feels like we're going to have a civil war here. And I'm like, I, I don't like how this is feeling in the country. I don't like that. Like social media and like everything that's going on right now is, the way we're behaving, the way we're making these memes, the way we're antagonizing people who don't agree with us. Uh, it feels like we're getting close to us having some infighting. 
uh, physical infighting. And so that's when my friend was like, you really need to watch this documentary. Because one of the things that uh, the interviewer was asking about, was like, what, what is your biggest concern? Right. And a lot of people were saying that civil, like some sort of civil war is a concern because in part of social media. And so these, this isn't just me saying this now. This isn't like just me as a, as a person that's just analyzing society from my own point of view without uh, political expertise or, or social expertise, like a degree or anything like that. Uh, these are people who are working on social media and have seen the trajectory of how like things have started to where they are now. And they're concerned about civil war. So this is people who, are, who help create these platforms. Yeah, people who this. are in the know about yeah. these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, like I, I have no, like I'm, I'm a programmer by trade, so I, I know a little bit of like how code works and that sort of stuff. But like, I, I don't really know exactly what they're doing uh, with it. But it, you, you have an expert on the, on the topic, telling you that this is their fear. So that's something that you should take seriously. Yeah, I know absolutely. We, in our recent history, we don't like to trust experts. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, that's just the state of the state of things right now. If, if bottom line, at least right now with social media, is I can be just as loud as anyone. You know, and that's I feel like that's a bit of a problem. Like. Mm-hmm. There's no one fact checking my credentials. There's no one uh, that says, you know what, this person is qualified to speak about this topic. Yeah. Um, and that can be problematic. Um, you end up with people yelling that the world's flat. Um, you end up with people that say that, like, well, I mean, any, any number of conspiracy theories. Not to say that there aren't any of those that could be true. Sure. I, I feel like that would be naive of me to say that like consider, that all conspiracy theories are dumb and that none of this stuff could ever happen. Because sometimes it does come out to be true. Like like the Snowden thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, there's some fact there. Um, yeah. There's so, a lot of declassification that happens over years. Like, uh, I think it's like 60 or 50 years where something can be declassified. It probably varies depending on the security level, security clearance level. But uh, there's been conspiracy theories in the past that finally come to light after like people are allowed to talk about it now after like being sworn to secrecy for so many years. That uh, not the statute of limitations. Um, there's something that happens where it's not it's not classified anymore, and it comes out after it's no longer a national uh, security threat. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's, and I think it's absolutely important to not be closed off to the concept of something uh, that is kind of on the fringe, but you you have to be careful about how you let it affect you, as well. Yes, and yes. and that's what happens with social media, where you kind of believe something, you suspect something, but then you start getting fed, like you go down the spiral, you start finding other people that think the way you do, and you're not making the effort on your own to challenge that opinion and debunk your ideas. If you're not doing any debunking, if you're not doing any if you're not finding sources that contradict your own and trying to really see if this is true, um, then you you're part of the problem. You're trying you're you're perpetuating what you believe because you want to perpetuate what you believe, rather than being a responsible American and finding out the truth 
you choose to live and bury your head in the sand. And that's that's not that's not helpful. That is I would, dangerous. I would even say it goes so far as like not even Americans, like responsible human. Like uh, if if you're blindly believing anything, that's problematic. Problematic. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't feel like um I don't think anything should get passed for that. No. Uh, and and I know some people may argue that like like I'm not trying to make it a religious debate or anything, but if blind belief is problematic. Because you never really know who's telling you what and what their motivations are behind you. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I want to say I, I think we've hit all the points. Uh, the docudrama is really, really good. I strongly recommend you watch it on your own. Um, it. I think that a lot of people want to try to you know bury their head in the sand. It's kind of like knowing where your food comes from. There's a lot of people who, who know that it comes from a place where they don't want to know about it, so they don't even bother to like know for sure. And I, I think there uh, there's an issue with that where we have this huge disconnect. And um, not only does it like you have a lack of gratitude for, for the concept of what it is, because now we're entitled to social media. I see people complaining about social media. Like Twitch is, has a big issue with uh, um, DMCAs right now with like music and such. But like we're so entitled to the social media platform that we're not entitled to. You're not entitled to have this. This is a privilege. This isn't a right. You might think it is because you were born and, and, and have had this access to this for a very long time. Uh, but this could get taken away from you in the moment's notice. And what do you do then? Like how, how do you handle your addiction if that is the case? You know, that's, that's very, very uh, concerning. That's not the main point of what I, I'm trying to make here, but it's something to consider. Um, <laughs> yeah uh, and more more people to his cause i suppose uh it's um I, I think there's a lot of responsibility on the individual um and we want to try to blame other people for our issues and i i don't think social media platforms are going to stop doing what they're doing until it stops working I've said this about, you know, boycotting Nintendo as well, where people are complaining about Nintendo, but then they have Stockholm Syndrome and keep buying all the Nintendo games, either, even though they keep complaining about it to the point to where they're getting, like, just completely angry. It's like, there's a point where you can't blame the abuser because you're staying in an abusive relationship. Uh, there's a point where you're not putting your foot down and standing up, and, and you're not being a good human being, not because of social media, but because of you as a person. You have these desires, you have these these inclinations on your own and uh these platforms are just giving you what you want to see uh so i i challenge people who have an issue with this to to do you know one watch a documentary just for yourself uh to to see it uh two try to be a better person on social media if you're being a toxic person if you're being very antagonistic if you think that like just telling somebody they're wrong is the right way to go about it uh rather than having an articulate conversation stop using the excuse that um you know these platforms aren't good enough for that you know people people try to say that oh yeah because I, I do this as myself which is why i'm not as active on there is that you know for the people who are more active who are saying like oh it's not a good place for like extended conversations and then stop stop having the conversation if you can't have the full conversation don't uh, i've stopped i'm trying to stop doing this myself as much as possible um or, or i try to be very very careful on social media about how i interact with other people because i don't want to just be like i'm right you're wrong you're an idiot that's it uh because that's not how we move past issues that we have uh instead 
I want us to be able to have a conversation, um, hold each other accountable. You know, I don't think there's any anything wrong with that. Sometimes there's there's times where people are being too soft, right? You know, the FGC talks about people being the FGC being too soft because people get too offended by shit. And there are times where it's like, you need to learn how to handle your own emotions because someone disagrees with you does not mean they hate you. Someone disagrees with you that does not mean they're a bigot. Someone disagrees with you that does not mean that they're an asshole. Uh, they might say it in an asshole way, but at the same time, you're getting triggered, you're getting offended. At some degree, that's on you because you have the choice to ignore them. You have the choice to control your emotions. You have the choice to block them, remove them. Uh, but once you re-engage in the behavior that you think that they're doing to you and you get you retaliate or you attack somebody else because you're emotionally affected, you're continuing to perpetuate the issue. And it's not going to get fixed because that's not Twitter or Facebook or YouTube's fault that you're being an asshole. That's your fault. Uh, that's my fault. That's anybody who's engaging in that kind of behavior's fault. So you have to have some accountability. You have to have some discipline. Uh, and we have to try to be better every day, whether it's in person, whether it's online. Uh, we just, we got to do better. Yeah. Um, um, so I think there was uh, one last thing that I wanted to talk about. Sure. Um, so this movie definitely made me analyze like how, like, my behavior and it definitely made me realize how quickly i am to reach for my phone when i don't have a reason to mm -hmm. like um like you'll, you'll I'll sit there on the couch and then think like oh i'm bored oh let me grab my phone mm -hmm. let's see what notifications i have it's so it, it's watch it form your own opinions but definitely figure out how you can limit its influence on you. Yeah. Uh, and don't panic after seeing this either. <laughs> to, uh, to, the last thing I'll say uh, to add on to your point is that uh, I am I have been struggling with a lot of like uh, anxiety and depression during all of this. And I've been doing my best to combat it. Um, my only thing is that I have not been sleeping well. So I think everything is exasperated. So a lot of times I find myself, which is why I was talking about YouTube, I will just, you know, if I throughout my day I'll have my phone on me and sometimes I'm not even looking at my phone I just have YouTube playing something to keep my mind active um, I'm washing dishes I'm walking mm -hmm. around cleaning like I have something playing which isn't always bad but sometimes it's just like fail compilations or, or it's not it's, it's not always something that's enriching to me uh, sometimes I could be using it as a tool to learn like new tutorials and stuff like that and I love when I do that because I, I, I've learned something or I've I had a new insight like listening to debates and stuff I don't feel too bad about those when it's actually something that I'm learning until it gets like very toxic but um, I think there's a lot of people out there, to get to my point, is that uh, some of y'all are dealing with depression, some of y'all are dealing with anxiety and stress because we're in a very, very stressful time. And I understand the desire to want to reach out to something and distract yourself. Uh, I am trying my best to not do that. Um, I, I think there's other people that are, are in that category. And that, that goes back to discipline and accountability, so I don't have to reiterate that. But you're not alone in that but you have to be careful about how you're letting that affect you. So maybe even if you can't stop yourself from getting onto that platform, just you can stop yourself from engaging in uh, toxic behavior, I'll just call it. Um, that's a very ambiguous term, but that's just the broadest term that I can use right now to kind of encapsulate that. So um, I, I empathize with people because I am in that category. I am in that, that, that situation where I, I'm not always happy. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it just boredom, because there's tons of things that I could be doing. 
So um, it's more of just like I want to not be thinking about the things that I'm thinking about in the moment, right? And yeah. uh, that that's a bigger issue that needs to be handled, and that's something that has to be worked on consistently. So are you are you working on those things? Are you trying to, you know, like I try to exercise. I, I'm or no, I'm not trying. I am exercising. Uh, I am meditating, and I'm doing these things to make myself feel better. I'm also taking like supplements and trying to sleep more, right? So it's take care of yourself at the end of the day before like if if you're in a category like me you need to work on yourself there's some self-discipline and like you know i I know people don't like being preached to but uh, if you're like me then that's the best solution there's nothing else that's going to fix that because you're just using the thing that's most addictive right at the time sometimes it's video games sometimes it's netflix sometimes it's drugs um those are not bad social media isn't bad drugs for the most part, depending on what you're taking, aren't aren't bad. Uh, video games aren't bad in moderation. Um, so that's that's part of the issue is that you have to discipline yourself to not want to just reach for these things when you're feeling kind of bored or lonely or or upset or mad or just want to be distracted for whatever reason. So that's that's the last thing for me. Uh, hopefully, this conversation got you guys thinking. I'd love to know if you've seen the po- if you've seen the docu docu series documentary drama docu drama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd love to know what you thought about it, if you liked it, if you didn't like it, if, if how it made you feel. Um, and the same thing with this conversation. Uh, please, you know, don't worry about, you know, I'm, I'm going to try my best not to attack you. Um, I don't, I don't think I've, I've done a, I don't think I've done that yet. Um, so if you disagree, I'm open to that. I will challenge you if I disagree. Uh, I, if you, if you're, insulted or, or offended by me challenging you then that's something that you need to work on and i'm you not know, trying to be insensitive about that but i will i will challenge you if i disagree and you're i'm going to expect you to bring your points to the table and we can have a great conversation and learn from this i'm not going to attack you and say that you're an idiot by any means but uh, i will share my opinion and and try to quote sources if i need to do so but thank you guys so much for listening uh thank you for recommending me talk about this i had a um, i don't know if, if you wanted me to say his name so i won't say his name but recommend me talk about this podcast so hopefully talk about this docudrama hopefully this was uh, enough for you you got something out of it I'd, I'd love to know from you as well um that said thank you guys so much and we will see you in the next episode